and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am Chloe Skye. I'm Jupiter F. Stone. And I'm Sarah Gorski. Today, I am talking about a broad, a woman who, well, let's start it this way. How many female film directors can either of you name? Two, one. Um, I know a few, but Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow. Oh, name? Oh, no. <laughs> and Greta Gerwig? And those are the only names on the top of my tongue, and I should know more. Ah! Okay. The, the, the pretty chick from that one movie who's usually just hot, but did... The, 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 the... Elizabeth Banks? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. How did I know? <laughs> Ridiculous. You're right, though. I know what they did. I just don't right. know their names. Right. I literally only know two. Well, today I am going to cover the world's first female film director named Alice Guy Blachet. Ooh. When did it came around? Like, 2011? She was born in 1873. <gasps> Dude, we didn't even have film back then. I know. She was a pioneer in the industry. She was actually the first person in the world to make a film that told a story and wasn't just a picture. So Alice Guy Blachet was born to Emile Guy and Marie Clotilde Franceline Aubert. French. She's French. She is French. So Emile owned a bookstore and a publishing company in Chile, and they had three other children or four other children. Wait, French? The fr- they're French, but they're living in Ch- Chile in South America. Right, it's correct. Chile. That is correct. Oh, Ch- Chile. My bad. <laughs> I know what you meant. I'm just a yeah. nerd that tries to pronounce no, countries. I, I want in the to way pronounce things correctly. Yes. We um, gotta give it back. We gotta give it back. You know. I get it. I know to say Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> get back to you, fancy French story. So, uh, they own this shop in Chile, uh, but before. Alice is born, there is a devastating smallpox outbreak, and they leave the country. Okay, way to bring it down. I know. I'm, look, you brought you brought it up. I was just having a good I time. I was just trying to tell my story. I was trying not to laugh, Barcelona. Smallpox is, smallpox is no it's joke. It's not, not a laughing matter. Right. You know why we don't know about smallpox very much today? Vaccines. Oh. <laughs> so when smallpox outbreaks in Chile, they bring their four kids back to Paris, where Alice is born, in a Parisian suburb on July 1st, 1873. Alice jokingly refers to this later in her life as her mother's attempt to ensure, quote, her fifth child should be truly French. <laughs> wow. It's the most French thing I've ever heard. Right? <laughs> oh, no, my child must be French. Okay. <laughs> um, so right after Alice is born, her parents return to Chile, Alice is sent to live with her grandmother in Switzerland. Uh, When she's around three or four, her mother comes back and brings her back to South America. And when she's six, she goes back to France again. So she's just like a world traveler from a super early age, like before she even has memories. And it's a period in time where traveling is like not easy. Like there's not like airplanes. Yeah. I mean, it's like boat travel in the 1870s. Yeah. 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 Damn. I guess you're right. That's it's like that, a voyage. Yeah. Like going back and forth is like a fucking legit. Way tougher. Ooh, hashtag travel okay. life. Okay. Hashtag ship life. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I don't always want to be right, but I, I was right this one time. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels good. 
So when she when she comes back to France again when she's six, uh, her parents put her in a school called the Faithful Companions of Jesus Oof. in Veyrier. Uh, she also spends a brief period of time in a convent with her sister. Like they are Christian as fuck. AF to AF. Sounds yeah. like they're Catholic as fuck. Catholic not, as not book. just Christian. They're you write again. You're gonna wow. keep on being right this Be episode, right, right, Sarah. Right. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's a lot. Um, That's a lot. Uh, her father ends up dying in 1891 of unknown causes. I think I've been like watching way too much dark television lately because every time I hear unknown causes, I'm like murder, right? right. Murdered. <laughs> or I thought just like the common cough you or know. poisoned. Right. I mean, who knows? You know, it could have been a common it cough. It was the common cough or murder. He was spending time in Chile when there was a smallpox outbreak. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I just want it always to be murder. What right. is wrong right. with me? Talk to your therapist. <laughs> I should. You got a list. And Alice's mother is unable to support the family on her own. So Alice trains as a typist and a stenographer to go get work to help support the family. And oh, that makes me so happy. I thought you were going to say, so she married some douchebag. <laughs> no, she trained in skills yeah. and then got a job. Hell yeah. So Alice lands her first job at a varnish factory and then uh, transfers over to a camera manufacturing and photography supply company where she works as the secretary. And this is in Chile? No, this is in France. This is in France. Okay. Yeah, this is they've gone back to France at this point. So the company is then sold uh, to, to these four men. And it's renamed after this one of the four guys because it would have been bad press to include all of their names because some of them are involved in this like scandal with the Panama Canal. Did a boat get stuck sideways? I feel like it has to. I'm sure it has something to do with funding and. But you know that's a very topical reference to modern yeah. occurrences. I know that was like two months ago, but it feels like a million years. It does. It feels like ages ago. <laughs> Alice continues to work for the company under its new management. Uh, and working as the secretary gives her access to information and people that most people don't have in this company. Uh, she Ooh. learns their marketing strategies. She gets to know the company's clientele. And she starts to learn how the cameras operate. Okay. Ooh. Hell yeah. Okay. Learning on the job. Love All it. Right. Cut forward to March 22nd, 1885. Alice attends the surprise Lumiere event, uh, which is the world's first ever demonstration of film projection. Whoa. The film is called Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory. It is exactly what it sounds like. It's some footage of the Lumiere employees leaving work. Because they were so stoked. Yeah. That they were able to... Capture this on... Because it was the first time. You see this picture? We made this. Yeah. It must right. have seemed so fucking weird to them. You put people... <laughs> how did you get those people in there? How are those people on the wall? Ah! And they're real people from the other day? They're like, sitting behind me. This is understand. crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but it was like the next level of like they'd been working on still photos their whole careers. Right. And then they string them together in a roll and then they put a light through it and like, holy shit. And this is like a problem that... Uh, Thomas Edison has been trying to solve and figure out and he hasn't been able to do it. So like the Lumiere guy is, is the one who solves it and figures out this is how projection works. <gasps> Thomas Edison, what an idiot. So Alice watches this film, workers leaving the Lumiere factory, and she is incredibly bored. <laughs> She's like, the, the, we have this, we have the technology to string pictures together in motion. And all you've decided to do is shoot your employees 
how, we could Man. we could tell a story like we could create a magical world like we could do anything and you're all doing this boring shit I so, hope she said just that. I hope. I love her already. <laughs> I already love her so yeah. fiercely. So, so she goes to her boss and she's like, look, I want to make a movie that tells a story. And he's like, okay, try it. So she does. And one year later, at 23 years old, Alice directs her first short film called The Cabbage Fairy, which is a whimsical interpretation of how babies are born underneath cabbages. Yo, she's revolutionary. <laughs> Giving you this opportunity for sex education. Oh, yeah. Opportunity for sex education, fantasy, wow. storytelling. Wait, but they ain't have no animation. No, she just invented her own special effects and everything. Like, I'll, I'll get more into it, but she I'm invented here. some technologies. Okay, okay. I'm sure I'm sure it's like some some sort of version of like stop motion at this point is probably how they did it, is like taking a bunch of pictures and stringing them together, right? Or were they actually recording the film? At this point, they had moving cameras. It was more the the issue that they were trying to solve that they had finally solved was the issue of projecting those images onto a screen in a way that made it look like it was moving. Like, they were able to get the footage, then they just didn't know what to do with it. Oh, interesting. Ooh, Mm. what an interesting Mm -hmm. problem. Yeah, so they're like, how do we, like, we have it. So what, what do we do with it? Because you don't want everyone to gather and look at the... You just pull the roll really right, fast. exactly. you got to use this monocle. Yeah. <laughs> but the film... And the other problem, too, is that film was extremely flammable. So they couldn't, like, put candles. They couldn't, right. like... The way that they project the light, like, the film was really sensitive exactly. to the heat. You know, that's, why, like, one of Tarantino's obsessions in, you know, Inglorious Bastards and shit with all right. the film and all the... So The Cabbage Fairy is widely considered to be the first ever narrative film... And then, according to Alice, before long, every moving picture house in the country was turning out stories instead of spectacles and plots instead of panoramas. No credit. No credit. Right. Did they give her credit? She got credit for a while, and then it was uh, stripped away. Uh, but we'll get there. Well, she started the move. She started the movement, but she didn't like control all of the filmmaking. Right. No. Not. Yeah. Not all sense. filmmaking. But for the next ten years, she be she's put as head of production. And is the only woman working as a film director in the world. Yo, that's fucking huge. She was the secretary. She started as the secretary and now she's the head of production. She shot her shot. Yep. Because she had an idea and she brought it to the boss and the wow. boss was like. Give it a shot. See what happens. Didn't believe in her and was like, whatever, just right. try it. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Mostly during this period, uh, the things that she liked the most to make movies about were travel and dance. And so she would make these like traveling dancing movies about people who travel the world and like dance with each other and meet. And so she made movies like Le Bolero or Tango, which both came out in 1905. She's also one of the first filmmakers to explore the idea of matching an audio recording and synchronizing it to the pictures. Whoa. So she used this this new technology called a chronophone system to make it so that the audio and the visuals lined up perfectly and always played the same. Wow. Which had never been done before. It was normally like live orchestras, like trying to do their best. And Yeah, absolutely. That's revolutionary. Yeah. Audio and visual. Right. And she was like, what if you just put an audio track underneath it and combine them? Well, did they even have sound systems? Like, how did like, she I do that? I feel like most theaters did have like an or. That's why they had organs and shit. They would like play music under the film. I I didn't I didn't look too much into how this chronophone system worked, but it had something to do with like literally fusing an audio track 
to the film and having, having the systems, the yeah, having them run simultaneously. Like she had, that was innovation. Wow. Like oh yeah, like she had to help create that. Absolutely. She also experimented with the wow. first ever special effects, like double exposing the film, or using masking techniques, or even running the film backward. Like she was the first person <gasps> to do that. Reverse. Yeah. Apple R. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. I think that's wrong, actually. But this is cool. This I know, is cool, right? Because it's not just, I mean, like, she, so like, the film techniques. Right. Theory, like, how to. And because she's, like, the only person in this company who knows how to direct, uh, the company starts bringing in all these dudes to train under her. And she starts training the next generation of filmmakers. Wow. Yeah, she does. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So in 1907, Alice marries Herbert Blachet, who is also with this company. And for some reason, this means she has to resign from her position in the company. Patriarchy. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what exactly is going on. Only a one job the, is going to be a wife. Fuck? Right. And so this, this, the guy who owns this company or the guy who's the company's named after is named Gaumont. And he Gaumont. sends Alice and Herbert to the United States. He's like, you guys are going to help. You're going to be the pr production manager for our operations in America. So by by 1910, <laughs> okay. right, he's just like, get out of here. You're, you're married now. Leave the country. Like, I don't know. Ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever. So by 1910, Alice and Herbert have, they've struck out on their own and they create their own film production company called the Solax Company. Uh, which is one of the first film studios in the United States, predating Hollywood. And Alice is the <laughs> first woman to ever run her own studio. <laughs> oh, man, that is awesome. Wow. Did you say New York or what city was They're it? They're in New York at this time. Wow. And the company's doing great. So in, but by two years later, the company's doing so well that they're able to invest $100,000, and this is in 1900s money, $100,000 into a production studio in New Jersey, which at this time was the center of the American film industry. Like, Hollywood doesn't exist. If you have a film studio, it's in New Jersey. <laughs> that's so weird. I know. Whoa. That's, a that's a little over 100 years ago. Yeah. So the, the wow. two of them have, they have two children together. And while Alice is pregnant, she's still directing. And she's usually finishing one to three films every single week. Well, no, they're not full length features though. They're no, yeah, like they're short, short films. What we think of yeah. as like short they're, films. They're short. Now. She's she's a, a short film director. Her primary interest is in making short films, and she's churning out one to three of them every single week. Amazing. She she ends up directing most of the studio's films. Uh, Herbert manages the productions. One of those films is called The Thief, which is the first script ever written by William Marston, who would later invent Wonder Woman. Wow. She, she made a bunch of action movies that had female protagonists. And she directed A Fool and His Money, which is the first film to ever star a 100% black cast. Revolutionary! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> She's just like, oh. let's push all the boundaries. Let's let's progress. How could I like never ever 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 heard of her name? Right. Isn't that a this great is, question? This is one of those things, right? Yeah. It's like you got to get to a certain point, and you're like, okay, at this point, it is clearly ridiculous yeah. that we've never been told about you. Oh yeah. And and Jupiter, this I think is going to be your favorite movie that she directed in 1912. She made a movie called In the Year 2000. And it was a movie where huh. society's gender roles were 100% reversed. Oh. <laughs> yo. Actually, I think I have heard of that film. Wait, yo. First of all, we're behind. Second of all, amazing. 
The vision. Yeah. Visionary. That is, oh. it's the perfect word for her. I'm going to watch it. Is it available? Is it streaming? Uh, well, let's keep telling the story and we'll see at the end. Oh, I get <laughs> so excited. I'm sorry. By 1913, the next year, it's become clear that the age of the short film is, is over. People aren't interested. They want to see features. They want to sit in the theater for hours on end. And Herbert starts his own new production company. And the couple, for a while, takes turns directing features, uh, usually finishing one every month. And wow. then over the next... That's a lot. Right? So, but they're, they're, And that's kind of how early filmmaking worked was because like there was no avenue to preserve the film and like there was no DVD, there's no VHS. So it was just like, well, these movies are going to air in a theater for a week or two and then we'll get rid of them and then we'll put a new one in because people mm-hmm. want novelty. Right. And so most of these movies are just getting trashed immediately after they, after they and are there's, seen. Is there like any sort of system for like wide distribution at this point either? Like probably not. Like it probably played around New York and then. Yeah. I, I don't think it was like an extremely wide distribution process. Yeah, I don't really know much about how the distribution worked other than that they were wildly <laughs> successful, you know. So yeah, yeah. but over the next 5 years, uh they're they're less successful and less successful and in 1918, Herbert leaves his family behind to go pursue success in Hollywood because Hollywood is starting to take over the industry. Mm. Later that year, Alice contracts the Spanish flu and nearly dies. Uh, wow. <gasps> She ends up recovering, and then she moves to Hollywood as well, and she continues to work with Herbert, but now they live separately. There's there's some hot water in their relationship since he tried to abandon them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what a motherfucker. Right. Jeez. Um, she continues directing, and by the next year, she has produced over 1,000 films. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Over 100 of those films also contain a synchronized soundtrack. Oh, Wow. She is a content beast. Absolutely. Um, The original content creator. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So It sounds like she had, like, no... Like, it sounds like also she didn't have, like, studio execs, like, being like, this is what you have to make. She just, like, had all these ideas and she was just making them. Yeah, she got to do whatever she wanted. It was her company. It was her studio. She owned it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, it's the dream. It's the dream. So uh, I'm going to do a very, very brief history break uh, with some information that I learned from watching a documentary on Netflix called This Changes Everything about how in the early days of filmmaking, almost all film directors were women. It was like it was over 50 percent were women. And then the talkie revolution happens and suddenly films are getting more expensive to make. They're getting more expensive to distribute. They're getting more expensive to exhibit because the, all the movie theaters now have to completely revamp and change over their system to have speakers and play like sound in a new way, like surround sound. And so, uh, filmmakers in order to get their, their movies made have to go to banks to get the funding and mm. banking is a male-dominated industry, and the bankers don't want to give money to any project directed by a woman. Over the next few years, almost all female film directors are no longer able to get work, and the industry switches from being a woman's world to a man's world. Mm. What, year, what year is this? This is in the 1920s. God damn it. That's rough shit. Yeah. Alice directed her last film in 1919. 
And then in 1921, her studio was struggling so hard that she was forced to auction it off and declare bankruptcy. And she has to auction off all of her possessions. The, oh. the next year, Al, uh, Herbert divorces her and Alice just goes back to France. For the next 30 years, she makes her living traveling around and lecturing and teaching people about filmmaking, but never makes another film. Oh, that is so heartbreaking. I know. And by the late 1940s, Alice starts to realize that people are starting to write books about like the history of filmmaking and the filmmakers of who inspired a generation and sees that she's not in any of these books. And could consistently, the record is leaving her out. And she starts to get really worried about her legacy. And most of her movies have been forgotten. Uh, she's not receiving credit as a director. She starts writing letters to all these publishers being like, hey, there's some facts missing here. Also, you left me out of the book. Like, <laughs> please write an amended version that includes me. Like, I worked for this studio too. Like, what's going on? And pretty, she's just ignored. Oh. So she starts like, she just starts writing lists of every movie that she can remember that she directed from 30 years ago. And she just writes these long, long, long lists, hoping that this will serve as proof of record and, and get her some level of credit when she's dead. Like, maybe people will remember that I made these movies. Maybe I hope. Wow. And Ugh. she ends up writing an autobiography of her time in the industry, but the autobiography is not published until 1976, which is wow. 30 years later and also eight years after she's already dead. Ugh. So sad. Yeah. In 1957, she is honored in a French ceremony, uh, given an award for being like a female filmmaker, but the press doesn't attend and she doesn't get any coverage. Bastards. So she just like gets an award that no one knows she got. Ugh. When she when she dies in 1968, she is fully convinced that her entire catalog of films has been erased and lost forever. Oh, is that true? However... Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> Unfortunately, she died thinking that that was true. But in the intervening time, about 130 of her movies have been rediscovered. And there's been this major push, especially post Me Too, to exhibit and distribute and showcase her movies. There was a, a festival that aired 30 of her movies in 30 days. Wow. <sighs> like women are, women are really bringing the torch forward and being like, hey, let's please remember this woman who basically invented a lot of the techniques that made filmmaking possible yeah. and yeah. invented storytelling and visual medium. Like we, we need to remember this woman. Uh, the National Board of Directors and the Directors Guild have both voted to award her a special directorial award for lifetime achievement. And she is now more remembered. There's documentaries coming out about her. And she's finally, in just the most recent, like, four years, getting the credit she deserves. Ugh, I just wish she was, like, alive to see it. it just I know. Boring. It's devastating. As you are dying, you think also it, so is all of your life's work. It has to be depressing. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That, that is the story of Alice Guy Blachet the world's first female film director. And that's what I got. Wow. What y'all think of Alice Guy wow. Blachet? You want to you wanna wrap this up? Thank you. <laughs> she was Thank amazing. You. I'm so blown away. I'm blown yeah. away, Chloe. I, I knew you would be, Sarah. I was like, this is this is an episode Sarah's going to love. I yeah. do. <laughs> Iconic. So yeah. influential. 
Now I gotta try to look it up. Industry. Now I gotta try right. to find some of those films and watch them. Yeah, right? I want two thousand one switchover. In the year two thousand. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I want. I hope that one still exists. Oh, I would please. love to see it too. Please. Let's <laughs> see someone in the early nineteen hundreds vision of. Hell yeah. A hundred years from the now. The fact that she was like quote unquote allowed to make that, you know. Right. Fuck yes, and the fact Nobody that, could that tell if her that no. exists, like that evidence that you cannot be rid of. Mm-hmm. Like wait, why? Because there's a lot of things about that, right? It's like. They used to be way more accepting of this than people want to let on. It's like she made a whole ass movie. Yep. And then they tried to erase her. Fuck them. Right. And the first movie to have an all black cast. Yeah. Like, yeah. In wow. The, yeah. That's unheard I, of. Like also fuck the banks. Fuck the patriarchy yes. and fuck the banks. <laughs> fuck the like, patriarchy. What? The fuck? Like all of the female directors of the time. Like that. I did not even know that fact. I didn't know that fact at all. That yeah. it used to be all women. And then when the banks took over, that is fascinating and Fury on my patriarchal fire. Blew my mind. I watched that documentary and I was like, I have to cover one of these women because this is is unbelievable. Yeah. And and Sarah, you would love that documentary and it's going to make you so angry at the (gasps) patriarchy. It's on Netflix. It's called This Changes Everything. I'm going to watch it, but... I maybe I'll be upset. I'm sure. Okay, you 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 definitely will be <laughs> upset. Some time. But it does. It ends on a hopeful note. So you know. Maybe I'll have a glass, a big glass of wine while I watch it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I hope you'll come back and join us next week. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Malala Yousafzai. It's an incredible story, and you may think you know it, but you should still listen in because there's probably a few things that you didn't know. If you liked this broad, some similar broads, I just I just picked a few like firsts like first woman to whatever um so we have sojourner truth the first african-american woman to beat a white man in court we have shannon faulkner the first woman to attend a males only school in south carolina sadie tanner mosser alexander the first african-american woman to practice law in pennsylvania madam sophie blanchard the world's first female balloonist and shirley chisholm the first african-american woman to run for president Surely. All right. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for another broad you should know. I hope you'll come back and join us next week. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Malala Yousafzai. It's an incredible story and you may think you know it, but you should still listen in because there's probably a few things that you didn't know. We'll see you next week for Malala.